0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Fountain Church Podcast. Our prayer is that God speaks to you in a real and powerful way. So go ahead, grab your Bible, grab a notepad and your coffee, and let's dive in. But I had the privilege of finishing up my, my diving course, because I'm diving with Great Whites in October, so it's coming up quickly. A prerequisite for that was I needed to, to get certified. So I did five dives in Monterey last weekend, and on my, on my, my second dive... We, we have to kind of go through a lot of the skills that we did in the pool. The only difference was it, it was a little bit brutal. We had about one foot visibility. We're about 30 to 40 feet underneath the ocean. When you can only see one foot in front of you, you know, it's a little sketchy. And, uh, and we had a huge surge that, that kept, you know, coming back and forth. So it was funny. At one, one point, bottom of the floor of the ocean, and I just see people on top of me just rolling. <laughs> so, like, trying to get their bearings and trying to, like, hang on. It was, it was intense. It was so much fun. But on, on one of the skill tests, not a big deal. I just have to take off my mask and put it back on underneath the water. And then you have to clear it underwater so you can see again, just in case an emergency, your mask comes off, whatever. And it really works. Except for this time, when I put my mask back on, cleared it okay, but my wetsuit hood got caught just on the fringe. I thought I cleared it, but I, I, I missed that little part. And so what happened was my mask started to flood with water over and over and over. Now, not a big deal, except when you're like 30 plus feet in the ocean. It it gets a little bit scary because the first place that that water goes is to your nose. It fills up that little, you know, nose section. And there's a nerve on the inside of your nose that when it gets flooded, it it triggers. And the the feeling is, I can't breathe. I'm going to drown. You want to panic. And the instinct is just to shoot up to the top. Well, I don't want to redo the skills again and I don't want to go back up to the top. And so I had, to, I had to remind myself that even though my nose is full of water and I can't get it clear, I still have a regulator in my mouth and I can breathe. And it's really, really hard when everything's telling you to panic to focus on the reality that you have breath still. And so, so I sat down there for another 30 minutes with my nose full of water. It's possible to breathe with one of those regulators underwater with your nose and your mask filled it's it's possible. but how many of you guys know when I got to the top? I was grateful. I was like, "Thank you, Lord. I made it but but I think as as we're as we're looking out today, if you've been watching the news, I mean we have so much going on in our world, politically, just I mean there's just the list goes on: natural disasters, heartbreak all over the world in a lot of different areas. We have ideologies and deception and all these things. not to mention our personal life. Hello, somebody. Not to mention just everyday stuff that we have to wrestle through. Some of us are battling health conditions. Some of us are walking through a trial. And on top of everything else, it can seem really overwhelming. It can seem like things are flooding in. And, and there's sometimes an instinct to panic. Anxiety can creep in. Fear can creep in. Am I going to make it? Or what's, what's happening? How are we going to manage? How are we going to deal with all this? And then, and then everything kind of gets thrown into one pot. And it just feels overwhelming. It feels like things are, are, are flooding in. And I think many times we forget that as followers of Jesus, in Christ, we can still breathe. We, we still have breath in the midst of the flood. You know, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise a standard against him. But how many of you guys know it's really easy to forget that? When everything is hitting that nerve, whatever that nerve may be for you. And there's this, this sense of, oh, like I... I'm not sure this, and it can cause a lot of fear, it can cause a lot of panic, it can cause a lot of anxiety. Am I going to make it? What's going to happen? What is going on? What is blah, 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 and the, and the list goes on. It's so important that we are reminded that we can breathe. You know, there, there is a, an app that reminds you, people actually sign up for this, it's an app, it's called We Croak, that reminds you every single day that you're going to die. It's like people want to be reminded, Right. Five times a day via smartphone, it's going to remind you that you're going to die. There's over 10,000 downloads, 30,000 monthly users, 25 million reminders annually, and it hits you with a message like this, don't forget you're going to die. Like, that's awesome, right? And then it'll say things like, the grave has no sunny corners, just wanted to remind you. And I was like, how in the world is the world getting rich off of Psalm chapter 90, verse 12? Like, like the Bible teaches us to number, it says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Like, that's not even fair. And so, so that may seem a little morbid, a little crazy, but the idea is this: when you remember the reality that you're going to die, you start to live a little bit differently that day, Right? And so so I I want us to to be reminded that in the midst of everything, we have breath. And I think one of the greatest gifts that God has given us uh, as his body and one of the greatest gifts to the world to remind us of this is the word gifts, the word gifts. Now, we've been looking at gifts that the spirit of God gives us. We talked about love gifts. And now let's look at word gifts. I'm only going to hit two of them today. But word gifts clarify the nature and the action and the purpose of God. They're, They're great reminders Word gifts have a way of bringing clarity, bringing things back into alignment. Now, now, as we've been talking, many of us have different gifts that the Spirit has sovereignly given. Like, if I were to ask you right now, what is your favorite ice cream? Go ahead. Tell me. You can type it in the chat. Okay, oh, just a couple of you like ice cream. I know some of you guys were digging in last night. So, so go ahead. Shout it out. What's your favorite ice cream? Awesome. Okay. So, so, uh, all right, so we have like Rocky Road and we have strawberry, we have mint chocolate chip. Uh, First one, first service, somebody said, pistachio! I was like, man, they're they're passionate, they are excited about that. (laughs) All of that's true, it's all ice cream, it's all ice cream. Some of us are a little bit like Neapolitan, like we like a little bit of strawberry, a little vanilla, a little chocolate, And and in the same way, the Spirit of God is is able to give us multiple gifts in different categories. Love gifts, word gifts, power gifts. Some of us may not have a a multiplicity of them. Some may have a couple. Uh, Some may have a, a multitude. But it's really important that we understand that all of the gifts in operation are vitally important, not just to the church, but to the world. Every category matters, right? Because the world experiencing the love gifts that so we talked about, the gift of helps, and, and uh, we, we, we talked about um, uh, just this, this idea of the gift of hospitality and, and serving. Man, when people experience that in a supernatural way, it can be transformative. It can draw them to Jesus. As people are visiting our church, as they're experiencing our serve team, man, that can really draw them to Jesus. That can cause them to want to lean in and pay attention to what's being preached or what's being said. Uh, you look at the word gifts. The word gifts, they're supernatural, but they are also intellectual. Paul said, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so, so the word gifts, they, they're a little bit more intellectual. They, they talk about, man, uh, uh, how do we discern if, if this is true or if this is right? We, we look at the word gifts and they bring clarity to the scripture. They're able to illuminate the scripture to our hearts and to our minds to know, man, is this... This is the word of God. This is God's way. This is how we understand him. This is how God has called us to walk. And so it brings a lot of clarity, or this is how we defend the faith. This is why uh, Christianity is not um, irrational. And the word gifts bring clarity to these things, and people are drawn to the Lord because of the word gifts. And then the power gifts I shared with you my story how, man, it, it was, it was the, the pastor who was preaching at a church. They, he did not know me. It was my first time at the church. Church of about 3,000 people in a different state. And he calls me out of the audience. And he gives me a word. And that word was a catalyst of me surrendering my life to Jesus. The power gifts are important. They, just like the other gifts, lead us and draw us to Jesus no matter if it's the love gifts the word gifts the power gifts what do they all do they all point to us to the beauty and the reality of Jesus and so, so i want us to understand that it's not only uh, how, it's not only how we're designed internally to operate with the gifts of the spirit but those gifts as they're in operation begin to overflow and impact the world so i want to look at the word gift of teaching the word gift of teaching now, now, this is a spiritual gift that, what, what does teaching do? It, it, it clarifies, it defines, uh, clarifies the truth of the Bible. It defines God's word with Christ at the center. Now, now teaching equips us to know God. It, it equips us to understand him, to obey him, to be encouraged by him, and to be sustained both corporately and personally, doctrinally. How many of you guys know our, our doctrine is important? Yes. Like what we believe in regards to this text and to the scripture, is is important. If we have faulty doctrine, the ship's going to be all over the place. Are you with me? It's dangerous. It could be deceptive. So this gift is extremely critical and of the first fruits, of the first importance. Romans chapter 12, verse 7 says, If it is serving, if your gift is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. So Christ himself, Ephesians 4, gave the apostles, prophets, and the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So remember that the gifts that God has given us are for the common good. They're they're not just simply for us to say, hey, look how awesome I am. Got the gift." Are you guys alive today? Let's go. Let's go. Uh, To equip his people for works of service, right? They're meant to equip. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so some have just, uh, like we said, a learned skill to teach. Some kind of just have, you know, God is birthed you and gifted you with like an innate enablement to, you know, maybe you're passionate about, you know, talking and explaining things, but that doesn't mean that it's a spiritual gift. We talked about through this whole series that it whether a, a learned skill or maybe a natural gifting that God has given you, you can still use those things to glorify God but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a spiritual gift. So you can have a skill to teach, you can give good knowledge, you can even help people understand some things, but it doesn't mean it's the gift of teaching. The, the gift of teaching is it's supernatural. And, and the person that has the gift of teaching has the ability to instruct, to expose biblical truth. In a multiplicity of ways, but in such a way that brings understanding and illumination to what God is speaking and what God is doing. And so I heard like this one definition was said like this, that teaching is when the living word, Jesus, uses the written word, Bible, through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring the will of the Father into somebody's life. And so it not only communicates biblical truth, but it leads to obedience, It supports the lordship of Jesus. It deals with motive. It deals with the roots of our worldview. It deals with all of these different elements. It's a vehicle that brings spiritual life. How many of you guys know the gift of teaching is extremely important? And so that doesn't happen if you're just like teaching a class. God can still move and use those giftings, and God's presence can still show up in those moments, but we're talking specifically about the gift of teaching, I would propose that the gift of teaching is like the rudder of the ship. For like teaching combined with prayer it is a great rudder that sets the course. You see, the rudder of a ship, it's, it's extremely critical. It's very small. James speaks about this in regards to our tongue being something that's very small but very powerful because it sets a course. So anytime you see these tankers out in the bay or uh, you, you see um, different ships. Maybe you watch like a Deadliest Catch or whatever. They're 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 all banking on the rudder because you could imagine getting out there in all those waves. You don't really you can't really tell what's what. When we're underneath the ocean, they teach us how to navigate with the compass because it's really easy to lose like your your sight. And so you have something to keep you on course. And so many times, what happens is. Is The the rudder of the ship not only sets the course, but the captain is constantly correcting back to course by using the rudder. So, so for example, if the rudder goes off just a hairline in the ocean, you multiply that hairline over multiple miles, you're going to be severely off course. And so before technology, now a lot of captains can probably just hit a button and it's auto, right? Just constantly corrects back for you. They relax, sit back, and enjoy the ride. But back in the day, they used to have to use their gauges to make sure that they're constantly correcting back. And the gift of teaching, it, it has an enablement. It it, it it inspires us, it illuminates the scripture to us, and it's it's this constant course corrector to make sure that we're walking, that we're understanding. That we're, we're walking with God, that we're understanding him, and that we're moving and fulfilling all that he's called us to do. It's it's huge, it's intellectual, it's powerful, it's life-changing, it's biblical centered, and it's absolutely critical. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I love just the order of it because I think it's so appropriate. Again, it's it's the rudder. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And to prayer, it's intellectual, it's powerful, it's life-changing, it's always Bible-centered, but it's also supernatural. And sometimes I think we, we lose sight of that part, that it's, it's not just communication, like I can communicate good. I remember um, I was at a KFAX breakfast. KFAX, if you guys don't know what it is, it's 1100 a.m., and they have uh, pastors and teachers on all throughout the day. You can listen to messages and, um, and they would do a, an annual breakfast for, for pastors and people from all different walks of life and denominations and non-denominational. We'd have everything from Baptist to Pentecostal to, you know, Calvinist to Arminianist. I mean, just we're all pastors from all over the Bay Area coming together. And I'll never forget they invited Jim Cimbala from the Brooklyn Tabernacle. I'd never heard of him at the time. And, uh, and so I kind of saw him in the distance, and I judged him. I'm like, all right, what's it going to be? Just like a three-point little outline, and they'll get us out of here. And I was just being super critical. I don't know why. And I'm normally not like that. But I'll never forget, Jim got up to the podium, and he, he, uh, he, he was not very extroverted. So he's not like, hey, guys, welcome. I am so excited. He just made his way up and put his, his books down. And he said, you know, we have about 2,000 people praying for us right now. And then he said, stop for a moment. He said, would you pray with me? And when he was done praying, he looked at his notes and he said, you know, I sense the spirit of God leading me in a different direction. And anytime you say that in front of a bunch of pastors, it's just a bold move, right? Right. Because, you know, pastors, a lot of times, if we're not careful, we could be more concerned about what people think and how we're going to present rather than where the Holy Spirit is leading. And so he, he takes his notes. He puts them aside. And no joke, we turn to First Thessalonians. I'll never forget. And the man said, the. And the Spirit of God fell on that place in such a way every, I mean, I'm at a round table Everyone at my table just broke and started weeping. Then all throughout the room, the guys were just breaking. Women break. I mean, just, I was like, what is this? <laughs> he's a sensationist. He doesn't even believe the spirit's in operation today. Well, he believes the spirit's in operation, but not like through the gifts and things of that sort. And so, so I'm looking, and I'm just, and I, I know some of these guys. I'm like, and he's weeping. The guy didn't even tell a story. <laughs> And he went on to teach. I tell you, it was like the Apostle Paul was communicating the book of 1 Thessalonians to us. And I left with such an imprint. My prayer life has never been the same. And I saw the beauty of the gift of intercession combined with the gift of teaching. And I just thought, I want to preach and teach from that place. And it's just, I've never been the same. I got to, to visit uh, his church. I always, it became one of my bucket lists to, to visit his prayer night on a Tuesday night in New York. And a couple of years ago when I was on my way to Israel, I got to visit his church. And I'll never forget, I'll, I'm back there and it's just, just the same thing. The guy is not very like preachy, but, but he just starts to teach. And the presence of God is so rich. And then we spent three and a half hours in prayer with him at the altar after the service. And I'm just like, I, you, you leave and there's an impartation. You can't be the same. Something has to shift. Something has to give. Something has to change. It's a supernatural move of God's spirit. So how do you know if you have the gift of teaching? Well, verbally, people may confirm that they understand the teaching And that you see lives change as a result. You're eager to learn. This is a huge one. You're eager to learn and seek out mentorship by others that have the same gift. There is a deep desire to know biblical knowledge at a grand level. Like your devotional life, totally necessary, totally good. One year Bible, absolutely critical, right? But with the gift of teaching, it won't be enough, like, like, you're going to have to dive in. You want to understand context and culture and, and the history. Like, you just want to go. You want to know the word of God at a grand level. Alarm bells go off when somebody misuses, misunderstands, mis- or misapplies scripture. Like, you want to grab them by the neck. Like, That's, that's out of context. That's not, that's not right. You know, and if, you're, if your character is not refined, you may hurt people. Um, God is working in the audience That cannot be explained by the teaching alone. That's what happened at that KFAX breakfast. God is working in such a way where it just can't be explained. Uh, I just don't simply know the Bible. I just don't simply want to know the Bible more, but rather I know that God is speaking, and I I need to think different. I need to change or be moved in a different direction. That is the audience. So all of a sudden it's like, I just can't leave and be the same. Uh, Maybe it's, I, I know this is God's word, but can you please end? You, you, ever, you ever been in a message? Maybe you guys felt like that with me. So some, sometimes like there's people that are preaching or teaching that don't have the gift. And you just know, you're like, man, I know this is the Bible and I love it, but I can't wait till you're done. Right? It's, it's, like it's, it's kind of harsh. And sometimes it depends on your own heart. So I wouldn't use that as like a, a critical true north. But you just know if that's happening on a regular basis. Then maybe that's not your gift. Uh, versus I know God is speaking, and I never saw it like that. Like, why? Wow, like, I can't. God is doing something in our midst, all right? So if you feel like that when I'm teaching, just don't say anything, all right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but but, but the, the gift of teaching, is, it's, 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 imp- it's so critical. In fact, it's, it's one of the gifts that God gives with, with a strong warning to it. Like I said, it's of first importance, James says it this way: Not many of you should become teachers. So even though you have the gift, you definitely want to use your gift, but you want to you want to use that gift in such a way that there's deep respect and awe and reverence, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And, and so, so you just know, you just know when when somebody has that gift. If you have been a part of our Bible College. And if you're not, a new semester is getting ready to start. NCBC, you can go on our website. You can check that out. Um, we're going to have all the updated some information for the semester. But if you've not heard Pastor Dave teach, he'll, he'll teach here soon. But you just know, like, he has the gift to, to teach. Like, it, it's got to be in his, like, top ten. Um, and so, so but, but it's not just a warning. Paul also says, so it's really important that you watch your life and your doctrine closely, that you persevere Uh, And then, because if you do, you will be saved, both you and your hearers. Meaning, it's really important, ladies and gentlemen, not just to watch your doctrine, but also your character and your life. You could have great doctrine and even have the gift of teaching, but if this is not right, you won't last. It won't sustain. Remember, the gifts of the Spirit have to be sustained by the fruit of the Spirit. Are Are you with me on that? to to be operating and flowing in, in a healthy space. And so if you have great doctrine, you're extremely knowledgeable and you have a hunger for the word, but you are treating your wife horribly. And that doctrine is not impacting your marriage. If that doctrine is not impacting your thoughts, if that doctrine is not impacting your life, then you need to pause and ask the Lord, what is going on here? Why is my doctrine not transforming my life? Because it should manifest in my character. Are you tracking with me on that? And so, so it's it's critical. There's a warning to it. We got to watch our life and our doctrine closely. Because man, people are. There was one time I was teaching students and I preached something totally false, and nobody knew. And I used it as an example. People were yes and amening, like yeah, oh, I'm like that is that's heresy. I just preached heresy. And some of the leaders are like, so good right? You have to know the scripture. Are you tracking with me? Because as an orator, they can come with clever speech and, and, and it can sound right. Passion a lot of times screams confidence. And when somebody is confident as they're preaching or they're teaching, it kind of makes you confident a little bit like, Hey, maybe that is true, right? So you got to really know the scripture. I love how Wayne Grudem Wayne Grudem wrote one of my favorite books/commentaries called Systematic Theology and this is what he says. He says so the distinction is quite clear. If a message is the result of conscious reflection on the text of scripture containing interpretation of the text and application to life, there it is in the New Testament terms, a teaching. But if the message is the report of something God brings suddenly to mind, then it is prophecy. And so when, when prophecy and teaching are working together, oh, it's a beautiful collision. And that's what happened when I got saved. I, I was, the, guy was pre, the guy was teaching. He was preaching. In the, middle, in the middle of his message, he stops. It was a suddenly. He says, young man, you in the back. And then I, I come forward, and that's when he starts to read my mail. I'm like, who are you? And then he goes back to teaching. What was that? It was a sudden moment that God brought to mind. It was a prophetic moment. So is that you? Do you have the gift of teaching? Now you might say, "Oh, well, I have the gift, but I don't have the platform. One of the greatest misconceptions is you need to be on the platform to exercise that gift. Remember in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, it says they met in the temple courts and they also met from house to house. Meaning that gift of teaching can impact your home, your family. It can impact your area of influence. So don't get the platform confused with, I need a platform in order to use that gift. Small groups, teaching is great. Even though you're facilitating a lot in small groups, the gift of teaching operates really well there because you can piece things together on the journey for people. And help illuminate things as everybody else is talking and sharing and all that stuff. So don't just think that you need a platform. That is the biggest. God has given you a platform wherever you are. But, but this, this is going to be like a little prophetic utterance. So as I was preparing this, I, I really felt like 2 um, Kings chapter 9. You know, we're living in a time, ladies and gentlemen, where there are a lot of winds of doctrine. And it's interesting, you know, I had a, a couple of gentlemen knock on my door yesterday, young kids. And, uh, you know, they're, they're from uh, the Mormon church, and so we had a great conversation. And, um, and I just remember, I just remember my, my daughter saying, but they said they're missionaries. So I had to sit and explain to her, what, what does that mean? Because it's common language, but totally different meanings. And so there, there's so many winds of doctrine in our day today, ladies and gentlemen. And I think sometimes we 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 have to have the wisdom, the knowledge, and the discernment to know how to move and live and breathe in the time that God is, is calling us to. So the Lord brought me to 2 Kings chapter 9. I've been meditating on this for a few days. And it's interesting because a lot of times when you think about the person who defeated Jezebel, now let me define Jezebel in the scripture. Jezebel, we, we see that uh, she's described as a woman, but it's a spirit behind the woman. And there's control, there's fear, there's manipulation, there's usurp of authority, there's uh, a sex, uh, sexual sin and seduction tied to that spirit and so even in the book of Revelation he says listen don't tolerate that spirit and a lot of times when we think about who defeated Jezebel we think Elijah but it wasn't Elijah Elijah was impacted by her and you guys remember when Elijah you know Jezebel said I'm gonna kill you and he went off and got off track and went somewhere that God never called him to go God met him in that place. We're so grateful that he went through that because it encourages us a lot of times when we are in a difficult spot. But but Jehu, you don't hear a lot about Jehu these days. But it was interesting with Jehu, and and I have a a point to this. Jehu, when he went to, to kill Jezebel, she knew it. And you know what she did? She did her hair, and she put on her makeup. And so when he came up, she kind of came out like, hey, like sarcastically, like, hey, how's everything going? Everything good? Knowing that she's about to die. It was like, if, the, if that app was alive then, it'd be like, Jezebel, you're dead today. Like, oh, like 30 seconds, you're going to die. Live your best life, girl. Go for it. And so, and so but, but you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't kill her himself. He doesn't even go in her midst. He has two eunuchs kill her. And the eunuch was some of the two men that are castrated because they served in in the harem, and I just thought, man, what a dis- like. I'm not even gonna get close to you because I know that seduction. I know I'm not even gonna get. I'm I'm gonna have the discernment and the wisdom to know how to handle you, and I just thought, man, the gift of teaching it really keeps us has the potential to keep us really sharp and and bring such great insight and impact. To know how we're to move, discernment, clarity of the scripture on how you and I are to navigate. So can I just tell you, put no confidence in the flesh, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll make your path straight. That's a sidebar. So the gift of teaching is huge. Do you have that gift? Do you have that gift? I want you to ask the Lord. Maybe it's resonating, and we'd love to help affirm that. Now... The second gift I want to hit on is the, the gift of encouragement. This is going to be the last one. Now, the, the gift of encouragement, it, it's kind of twofold. There's two aspects, exhortation and encouragement. And so where teaching clarifies biblical truth, this, this gift focuses on helping to apply biblical truth in people's lives. Are you with me on that? So teaching want to clarif- wants to clarify biblical truth. Exhortation or encouragement wants to see it in operation. And other people. So um, you want to see and help people live out their faith in practical ways. Some people will call you the spiritual cheerleader, but there's a specific purpose in mind as you're encouraging, and it's always biblical. It's always rooted in biblical truth. Romans chapter 12 verse 8, here, here it is. If, it, if your gift is to encourage, then give encouragement. And so this gift calls others' attention to the Bible, to biblical themes, to encourage them to keep walking in their faith. If you're discouraged or you're defeated, the person with this gift is the one that comes alongside of you or the one that you run to because you just feel comfortable with them. You know that they're going to they're gonna have something for you in season. They're going to embrace you. They're going to encourage you. You just know, man, I need to be around that person. Now, Now, it's interesting because everything they encourage you in, though, is going to be God's truth. Remember, this is a supernatural gift. I don't want to take away. It's not just, you know, like, oh, like, go for it. I hope you do great. No, this is a supernatural gift. And there are a couple aspects. So let's look at the first one really quick. Exhortation. How I would define it is comforting correction. So one of the first ways this gift comes alive is, is through correction, but it's not correction with the belt. Like, come here, you're out of line. Get over here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you the word of God, right? It's not, it's not that way. But, but it has the same angst. It has the same angst. Like, I wanna see God's best in you so bad, but they don't do it with the belt. They do it with an embrace. And so, so the heartbeat is still the same. Like, I still wanna tell you the truth. I still wanna tell you where to go. But I wanna be your biggest cheerleader On the journey. And so exhortation is is again, it's like it's like, like mercy with a kick. Like, I still want to tell you where to go, but it's going to be with a more gentle embrace. I like this definition. It says the gift of exhortation is the capacity to urge people to action in terms of applying biblical truths, to encourage people generally with biblical truth, or to comfort people through the application of biblical truth to their needs. And so, so with this gift, you can get mercy confused a little bit because people do will want to come unload to you. They feel comfortable with you. They're drawn to you. You're going to want to listen to their story intently. You care. But the difference is mercy says, I, I'm present with you. Exhortation or encouragement says, I want to give you direction. So it's not just presence, it's direction. So I want to encourage you, I'm going to embrace you, but then I want to tell you where to go. I want to help see God's very best in your life. I don't want you to stay stuck in this place. But all of that encouragement will be rooted in biblical truth and biblical wisdom. Not necessarily like I'm going to bust out the scripture and read line for line, but based on all the scripture inside of me, I'm going to encourage you, and biblical wisdom is going to come as a result of that. So the person with this gift, you walk away not knowing if you got slapped or loved. So you're like, man, I feel so embraced. Bam. Oh, what, was it? what are we doing here? Is this... Because, because there, there's a deep impact for them to want to tell you where to go in a nice way. And, and so, so if you walk away from a conversation like, that was so good. They kind of like hit me, but I feel amazing. I... Huh. And you're a little bit confused. You probably just got hit with some encouragement. Somebody that had that supernatural Give some exhortation now. Encouragement—the second aspect—is a spiritual cheerleader, and so many of you guys have this in our church, and I know it because, man, we get texts on several occasions of you guys just encouraging us in, in a multiplicity of ways. I remember Neil. Neil um, was here when, when we, he was here before us. Uh, he's a part of our council. He also sits as um, on on the board of one of our overseers of uh, somebody in the house. And, and Neil, I never forget when we first came, it it was scary. I mean, we were coming to a new place, a new, I mean, we had a three week transition. So our lives were uprooted and planted just very suddenly. And I would just get notes left. You guys are doing a great job. Hey, thanks for preaching the word. Hey, and it was just, just consistently a light, a, a, a sense of, of encouragement in life. But not also afraid, like if there was anything that, hey, you, you know, there was also always like, I want to see God's very best in your life. And, and, and we see that with so many of you. Can I just tell you, so many of you may not even realize it, but you will text us at a particular time when it's so in season, a word of encouragement. And you may think like, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm just sending them like a little note or but so many times it comes at like the right time. Because, man, it's supernaturally led. And it's impactful. Now, now the problem with this gift is it's misunderstood a lot. Because people look at you, if you're like the spiritual cheerleader, they just think you're fake. Like, how can you always be excited? Do you know what I mean? Like, is that even real? Remember, for what, for what is a discipline to you is a supernatural gift to them. So encouragement for you may be a discipline. Like, I know I'm supposed to encourage one another daily, but I don't really like encouraging you because I'm not really that encouraged. And so I got, you got to fight for that. But for some, it's just like, man, they're like, they wake up, they're just ready. It doesn't mean they're always on cloud nine, but there's just this, this sense. And so if that's you and you've judged those people, can I tell you to repent? Just repent. And and remember, listen, we need them in the body of Christ. It's a supernatural gift, a spirit-targeted word in season that makes a difference in the church and outside the church. It's a spiritual, supernatural comfort. So how do you know if you have this gift? Well, depending on their soul, because as I'm speaking to you right now, your soul is in a condition. Now, depending on the condition of your soul, people generally act strongly for or against when you encourage them. Some are like, oh my goodness, this is so good. <laughs> but if you're getting told what to do, some of you guys don't like that. Um, when observing and listening to people, you find yourself giving advice to them that demonstrates an unusual understanding of their situation and is biblically rooted. See how so many times we misunderstand this gift? It's not just like, yeah, go ahead, you can do it. No, there's, it's rooted in biblical truth and wisdom. It's not just a cheerleader that just kind of like, yeah, like go, and I hope hope you do well. It's like, no, God is giving them supernatural insight into circumstances. Uh, People confide in you because they not only see that you have an empathetic listening ear, but comfort them in the process without compromising what needs to be accomplished. Now, these aren't all my definitions. I got these from a multiplicity. Robert Clinton is probably the the main source. But I I like, and I kind of rearranged a couple of them because I think it makes it a little bit more clear. Um, people like to be around you because you cheer them up in attitude, demeanor, and word. There's an urgency to get something done with those who are struggling. Like you just oh, you want to move them closer to God and closer to others. You love sharing, not necessarily teaching, but you love sharing scripture that has impacted you and how God has transformed you. Uh, when you share scripture, you're not satisfied with superficial acceptance of truth. Like you want people to work it out. You want people to get moving. A teacher wants you to understand. An encourager wants you to do it. And so again, sharing your story of what God has done in your life to encourage other people. And words that bring comfort, not just your presence. Remember the difference between mercy and encouragement. Mercy is presence and practical deeds. Encouragement is words. And so the, the dark side to this is that sometimes on encouragement, man, people don't want to be told what to do or have people around them that are constantly trying to move them closer to God and closer to others, depending on the condition of their soul. But I'm just telling you, you want these people in your life. And if they're encouraging you in a particular direction, it's, it's, it, it can change the world. Change the world. A lot of times you think teaching, oh, teaching is going to change the world. Can I tell you, so, so can encouragement? I'm going to prove it to you. Encouragement has dramatically impacted all of our lives forever. I'm going to show you why. There's a man by the name of Barnabas. For instance, there was Joseph, the one, the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. We saw a couple of weeks ago that Barnabas had the gift of giving. He had a love gift. But he also had a word gift of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. know what's so cool about Barnabas is that when Paul... Got knocked down on the road to Damascus, had an encounter with Jesus, got saved. Nobody wanted anything to do with Paul. The early church, they were like, whoa, whoa, you killed us, bro. Who built a bridge? Barnabas. Barnabas came alongside him, like, hey, I'm gonna get you connected. Right? I can imagine when he first showed up, the Jews were like, oh, so uh. Barnabas was like, it's good, it's good, we're gonna we're gonna work this out. God's got plans, God us moving. Built a bridge. Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Powerful. Dude, this this changed my life this week. This, what I'm about to share, changed my life this week. I'm about to cry, like it touched me so much. John Mark, when Paul was like, you're of no use to me. Who came alongside John Mark's side? Barnabas. What did John Mark do? He wrote the Gospel of Mark, most scholars believe, according to Peter's account. 14 books of the New Testament because of the gift of encouragement. The profound thing is, he never wrote one book. I just always wonder, like sometimes, like our, like we'll like me as a, as a pastor and our team will resource other churches and we watch them explode. Like, like there's been so many occasions where man will we'll train or we'll resource and they'll, you know, we help them with an area in their church, whatever, and we just see boom. Explosive growth, And I used to always think like, man, God, we're like leading the way, like, like helping to train into. But for whatever reason, we just don't grow that way or we don't explode in that way. And as I was doing, as I was preparing this, I'm like, oh, my goodness. One of my one of my top gifts is encouragement. And I just felt like, no, no, I, we are winning because others are writing the story. We are winning because this is, this is how God is wired. So I may never write a book, but that's okay. Why? Because we are encouraging others and spurring on, them on in their God-given destiny that's transforming the world and impacting the kingdom. That's a phenomenal win. That's explosive growth. But do you see what I'm saying? How sometimes we'll, we'll underestimate or we'll, we'll misconceive and, and, and make certain gifts seem like they're not as important. It's just not true. They're all supernatural in nature and function, function and are critical for the entire body. And so whatever gift God has given you, don't despise it. Rejoice in it. Barnabas, we just hear of him not too much. But when we hear of him, he's encouraging others whether it's with his gift of giving and encouragement, saying, what do you need? I'll sell the whole thing. Let's go. Let's move the mission forward. Paul, let's get you connected. John Mark, let's get you embraced. And let's change the world. Father, I pray today that as as we go, that we could reimagine this reality that you want to use us. That our gifts are not for us. They're not even to bring glory to us. But our gifts simply point to you for the, the common good of the body, to impact the world, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. But Lord, even as I'm teaching this stuff, I just pray that you'd supernaturally, supernaturally reveal to every heart here as we walk through some of these, God, that you would illuminate the reality that some have forgotten, some have, have never known, some don't believe it's possible. Lord, some, their character is hindering their gifting. Lord, help us to see that we all matter to you, that we're all a vital part. Listen, the greatest gift is salvation. If you're listening to my voice online or you're in this place, can I just say, that's, that's the greatest gift. It's the one gift that's a catalyst to all these others. It's having the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling and living on the inside of you. So if you're here today, if you're listening online and you say, Pastor Matt, I just need to go all in. I'm going to ask you to do something bold today. If you're online, I'm going to ask you to call that number. And they're going to pray with you. But you can just say right where you're at, just say, Lord, I, 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 surrender. I need to go all in today. Call that number. Let us pray with you. And if you're here in person, we're going to have our prayer team up here right after service. If you feel like maybe one of these gifts, whether teaching or encouragement, is kind of stirring within you, let, let us pray with you about that. Let's ask the Lord to confirm that in you. But also, if you, are, if you need to surrender your life to Jesus, we'd love to pray with you. Our prayer team has been contending for you all week, not just on the, this morning. So, so let us pray with you and for you. And, Lord, I pray you'd seal this word in our hearts. And that we would be the extension of your hands and feet to one another and to the world. In Jesus' name. And everybody says? Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet? We have Growth Track Step 1 happening uh, both in person and online uh, at 1.30. Um, so you can join us for that upstairs or online. Uh, we have Pray First. This is really important. Um, we have three days of fasting and prayer. Pray First coming up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, if you've never jumped in with us on Fasting and Prayer, can I just tell you guys, you get an opportunity every single month. And everything you need to to know about how to engage in fasting and prayers on our website, we'd love for you to check that out. Um, But jump in with us. Let's believe God. Let's give God the first fruits of our month, our fall. And say, Lord, what would you have me do? God, what do you want to speak to me in this season? What do you want to reveal on the inside of me? I'll tell you what, you'll find out your dependence on food real quick when you start to let it go. And you'll start getting more desperate for God. So if you're like, I'm really not desperate for God right now, just get rid of some food. You'll get desperate. I promise. (laughs) Quickly. And then we have our our Freedom Conference coming up. It's going to be really important that I I tell you this now this week. Watch for the emails um, because there's a prerequisite for the conference. So you can't just show up to the conference. It's going to be in in October. But you have to watch about four hours of content before you come. because, And we can track if you watch the videos or not, just so you know but because we need to lay a solid foundation and, and God is gonna already prepare the soil as we take territory on the way, on the journey. Um, so I'm telling you, if only 25 people walk through it, then we're gonna have a conference of 25 people. But the goal isn't just to pack it out, the goal is impact. And one of the things that's, that's powerful about the gift of teaching, it's not so much focused on proclamation, but as it is impact. And so, so I just wanna encourage you, man, jump on with us. I believe if you're like, I don't need freedom, <laughs> That statement alone, you need to sign up. Um, and it, it's going to be, we're walking our entire staff through it a second time. Um, so we're walking all through it together. And even the Lord is bringing stuff up in our hearts and our lives. How do I just say it's important to be healthy? It's one of the ways we watch our life and our doctrine closely. So make sure you sign up for that. If you're not in a small group, jump in this week. It's not too late. And uh, so let me bless you as you go, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and keep them. Lord, make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, I pray that as they go, Lord, whether it's their coming or their goings, you would watch over them. Lord, I pray that they would find peace in everything that they do. And God, that you would reveal yourself to them in a greater way this week. That we would not live for ourselves, but we would live for you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at Fountain Church. For more details on how to get connected, visit us at fountainchurch.cc. We're also on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time.